what we were trying to do back there is to figure out some stuff on the sound machine because uh, we have folks that can't get to church that would like to be a part of church and we have all the technology we just don't have somebody that knows how to run all the technology uh, I, I know about the old-fashioned reel-to-reel tape machines, and I know about cassette machines and CDs, but some of this stuff is uh, a little ahead, so that we were trying to figure that out, and I think we at least got it figured out enough where we can uh, get some CDs or some DVDs made and be able to share with some of these folks when they take their meals and stuff to them, uh, then they can take some CDs or DVDs to them of services, so that'll be a, a blessing to them. All right, I left my sheet at home, uh, but is there anything we need to go over uh, on the prayer list and update that, uh, or the announcements? I imagine there's probably one out front. If I walked out there, I could get one. Oh, you didn't turn your paper in, huh? Uh, did, uh, did you give her that card? I got a paper here. Thank you. All right. So uh, add that to you paper if you don't already have it on there Mr. Newton and I had what room number he was in wrote down on mine but 840 okay he brought me one Ms. yeah but she'll need that one you just tell us what they are or unless you want me just to read it I can read it they uh We always like that. That means the Lord's doing something. He's either taking them home and healing them or... Oh, no. But we want to know when he's, you know, helping folks to get better. All right. I knew you'd know what to do with it. That's why I gave it to him. If I give it to her, she'll know what to do with it. <laughs> yeah. That's it. All right. So uh, who, who did we need to take off? Okay.
I'll uh, boust I nose the tractor people up and steal Asheville. All right, Matt Carter and the Faust family. And you're going to put these on the list for Cindy? Okay. All right. Anything else? Continue to remember uh, each other but the church and the, the search committee uh, and all that the Lord will just continue to guide and open doors and, uh, and all those things. So. That's a big, should be a big thing uh, on the prayer list. All right, nothing else? Yes, ma'am. I can just barely hear you. That's just how to spell it. We all need praying for, but sometimes we need a little extra. So that's the results, I guess, from these tests and different things she's been having is hip surgery, what's coming out of that. That's, that's okay. I, I said the tests and things she's been having, that, that the hip surgery is part of that. And He, I, I've been to visit him over there once, and he was up in the chair. Is he semi-mobile or? So basically, it's his mobility because he he we talk, and I mean. Okay. 
Get a special matter to pray about. The, the Lord will help them figure out how to take care of him where she can take care of that surgery. Now, they have family, they have grown children around and off. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's Randy, right? Yeah. All right. Anything else? Well, let's obviously, you know, some pray for everything, but there's some things that are special we need to, you know, maybe more than once a day talk to the Lord about those things and, and ask Him to to be a, a very present help as uh, lots of people have different needs. You know, sometimes we categorize scriptures, uh, you know, when when we're broke or when somebody's got a bill to pay, we always think about, you know, Philippians 4 where it says, My God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. Uh, but that doesn't have anything to do with money. Just because the word riches is in there, we equate it with finances. But health needs are needs, you know. Care needs are needs. And he said he'd supply all of our needs. And so he, he's got the supply. And if we'll talk to him about it, then he'll, he'll open up the channels uh, and take care of things uh, for, for everybody and for however they need taken care of. Uh, so it's like... In the New Testament there, he said, I believe, help my unbelief. So when we pray, we're just letting God know we believe. And that encourages our faith, and it helps our unbelief because we're, we're letting him know we believe in him. So make those things a serious matter of prayer. And some of them, we, you don't have a long time. You can't spend six months praying about it. So. Might have to pray a little more, pray a little extra, so that the Lord will, will help with those things. All right. Well, that's uh, that's what we'll do to start off. We'll just take a moment and uh, we'll ask the Lord to to meet these different needs according to His will. That's what He promised He'd do. And then we're going to look for a little bit in Colossians tonight. Uh, Colossians, we shift a little bit on how we're doing things and uh, do some of that. Titus stuff where we are uh, on Sundays we'll, we'll change up a little bit and uh, we're going to look in Colossians so let's pray together and uh, you can come if you want to you can pray there where you are uh, whatever's comfortable to you we'll all just pray together and uh, and ask the Lord to bless us alright let's pray Father, we do love you tonight, and we're so thankful for the opportunity that we have to be here in church. Thank you, Lord, for the folks that have come. Thank you for the different things that have been mentioned tonight, Lord, the updates, the ones that, uh, Lord, for whatever reason we're able to remove, but we still want to pray and uh, ask you, Lord, to meet needs and to encourage people and give them the strength that they need each day. 
Now, Lord, some special things that have come up this evening, Lord, you know the different needs in the different families and what they might be, and especially Miss Gwen and the situation there in their home and their family, Lord. But we know that there's an answer for that. There's a solution for it, and there's a way that it can work out and will bring honor and glory to you, and we just pray and trust that you will. And if there's, Lord, things that we can do as a church or as individuals, Lord, we just pray that you'll bring those things to our mind. And, Lord, then help us to be willing to make the sacrifice to do them, whatever it takes, Lord, to, to be a blessing to those that we love and care about. And I just pray that you'll uh, comfort her tonight. I pray that you'll give her peace of mind knowing that you're going to make a way and you're going to take care of things for her. Lord, I just pray that uh, you'll just continue each day to guide us and lead us. I pray, Lord, that you'll be with the folks that are on the search committee, Lord, and, and all the church members, Lord, that are out and about that know people and, uh, Lord, can take opportunities to talk about the church and what the needs are. And, uh, Lord, you'll direct somebody's path, Lord, across somebody else, uh, and there'll be a way, Lord, to identify the person that you would have to be the, be the pastor and be the leader here uh, at this church for this flock and this group of people. So we just pray for them as they uh, continue, Lord, to be steadfast and faithful in the responsibilities they have. You'll just give them wisdom, Lord. You'll give them direction, and, and Lord, you'll send the right people to them, Lord. And we just pray that uh, the church will continue to move forward, Lord, that the things that uh, they're involved in, Lord, you'll just keep them encouraged in those things and uh, uh, keep making a way for people to be a part of those ministries and the different missions that go on we just pray lord that uh, you'll encourage people to support the church and be involved in church and lord be here uh, at the appointed time lord to worship you and to honor you for all that you do thank you lord for these that have been faithful to come out tonight lord to to study your word and to hear it taught i pray god that you'll just give us wisdom as we look into it and i pray lord the holy spirit will just comfort us i pray lord you help us to learn things that will draw us closer to you and lord that's the way that will be more of an influence to the world around us is the closer we get to you, Lord. The more we look and act like you, the more uh, that, that we just uh, are that sweet-smelling savor, Lord, the qualities of you in us, Lord. That's what reaches people and touches people. So, Lord, I pray as we look in your word, you'll just help us with that tonight. Lead us and guide us, Lord, and, uh, and just keep us safe, Lord. I pray, Lord, for your protection. Lord, whatever's going on in each and every family, Lord, we all uh, have so many things going on. The devil sometimes knows, Lord, that he, he can't distract us necessarily with wickedness and sin, but he just keeps us busy and distracted. Lord, so many things, and it, it's hard to keep all the plates spinning all the time, Lord. So I pray that you'll just help us, uh, Lord, to know what our priorities are, Lord, and to focus on you to focus on, on the important things, Lord, and, and what matters most to you. Help us to learn that. Help us to see that, Lord. And I pray, God, again, that you'd just be with us in these next few moments. Lead us and guide us as we look into your word. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Colossians for just a little while. Colossians chapter number three Colossians chapter number three and uh, while you're turning there I'm going to read just to refresh your memory a little bit we preached a message a while back uh, a few months ago um, from second Timothy chapter three 
about the last days. Paul said when he wrote the letter to Timothy that perilous times would come. And we talked about, you know, the, the, the characteristics or the bad character of that day uh, and what would be going on. And, and we realized we live in that world. It has, it's devoid of any kind of character. We, we don't have any conviction anymore. People don't have a conscience anymore. Uh, you know, uh, and, and there's no consistency uh, in people hardly anymore. I mean, just look around you. Folks can come on Sunday, but they're not consistent to come when the doors are open. They they just come when they want to, and, and you know, the, there's there's all those things are lacking. But then in verse 5, there was a verse there we kind of keyed in on. The Bible says, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. And in this this particular study or, or message, whatever you want to call it tonight, kind of comes from that thought or that idea. Uh, as I was, you know, reading and studying there about that letter and, and that idea uh, that that the church nowadays, because I believe we live in those last days that Paul was talking about, uh, the church. The Bible says the church, and that's who he was addressing, all those things we talked about, no character, no conviction, no conscience, no uh, you know, consistency, all that. That's in the church. That's not about the lost world that he's talking about. God, the Bible is written to believers and for believers, and it's for our admonition and our, our learning. You know, the, the lost world, God's not interested in that till they get saved. He's interested in their salvation. He wants them to be saved, but that's what he left us here for, to, to grow closer to him and to go reach them and to win them to him. All right, But outside of that, God has nothing for them. Their plan's already set. Jesus, even in John 3, said, I didn't come to condemn the world. Why? The world's condemned already. There's simple truths sometimes we don't like to hear. We love to hold them little babies when they're born, but we, every time we hold a little baby that's just been born in our hand, we ought to shed tears because that baby's on its way to hell. It's a precious little baby, but it's born on its way to hell. And then if it grows and it reaches that certain age, and God only knows what that is, that's its destiny. Until the Holy Spirit comes and changes its life, that's its destiny. So it, that's the lost world. That's the world we live in. But God said that the church, that, that religion, that, that his people, believers, would have a form of godliness but deny the power thereof. I got to thinking about that. And for, for, for Paul to write that to Timothy, then that means... There has to be some power to godliness. How can we deny the power of godliness unless there's power in godliness? And, and we wonder sometimes why the world is different now than it was, say, 75, 100 years ago. Why, why is it so hard to, to live right in this generation? Why do we see so much wickedness and filth on TV and in the media and, you know, the whole evolution of computers and, 
cell phones and all that kind of stuff now. You know what I mean? It's just it's wickedness everywhere. We wonder how. I mean, how does all... Because we've lost the power of godliness. There is power in godly living. And people just live, but they don't live godly. And and I'm, I know a lot of people probably listen to my preaching. They think, man, he's a pastor and he's a preacher, evangelist, whatever, and he hates the church. I, no, I don't hate the church, but I have a responsibility to call it out. And the church has failed the world because all we want to do is pat people on the back and preach a bunch of self-help messages on how to be better. Well, we're never going to be better. God said all of our righteousness, every single ounce of our righteousness is this filthy rag. So we don't need a, a, another message on how to be better or, or, or how to help ourselves this or how to help. What we need more messages on is how to get broken before God. How to, how to get back to the place where we experience the power of godliness in our life. Because there's power in godly living. That's, that's how the world was changed. That's how the Bible says in the book of Acts that 11 men turned the world upside down for Jesus Christ. Because there's power in godliness. That may mean that the things that we think are okay, that we think we can get by with, they, they may not be in black and white in the Scripture, but they're really not godly. They may be what we consider the gray area, or they may be okay. People aren't going to shun us, for, but they're not godly. You understand the difference? And we want to live there, and that's why we have no power and we have no influence. We don't have godliness in our life. It's not a part of it. But we can have it. In Colossians here, in, in verse chapter 3, Colossians is a, is a great little book to study. It's not very long, uh, but there's a lot of stuff in it. It, it, it. The theme of the book itself is the preeminence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Preeminence, you know what that means? That means he's first. He's first and foremost, nothing above God, nothing above the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what the theme of this whole book is, is about Christ being first in our life. So uh, here, here's some things. Uh, look in verse 17. We, we won't read all this whole chapter, but in verse 17 he says, And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. If you go on over to verse 23 there, it says, And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. Do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. First Corinthians chapter 10 and verse number 31, the Bible says, Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. And all, in every translation, 
in the Greek, in the Hebrew, in the Swahili, all means all. It always means all. He said, whatever we do, doesn't matter what it is, do it all to the glory of God. You know, people, and I might, I hope I don't make you upset by this, but it's all right. Get mad at God, don't get mad at me. But some people try to take the scripture and twist and wiggle and turn around and, and, and try to tell you, well, it's all right to drink. It's okay to drink. You can have a beer. You can have a glass of wine. Do what you want to. It's okay. Scripture don't say whether it's fermented or not fermented or this wine or that wine. Let it, let it argument go on forever, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. But let me ask you this. Does drinking honor God? Does it bring honor and glory to the Lord? Whether you think it's okay to drink or not tonight don't matter to me. That's, all, that's you between you and God. It's just a simple question. Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Can you drink alcoholic beverage to the honor and glory of God? I don't see how you can do that. Because over and over and over again, the scripture tells us to be what kind of minded? Sober-minded. That, that, that sober doesn't mean not drunken. That sober means to be right-minded. Ha have clarity. Well, one beer ain't going to make me drunk. Well, if it just makes you, you know, a little cloudy, you're not sober-minded. You, you understand? Just a little buzz. Well, you're not sober-minded. You see, that it's, it's, it's an example. I'm not preaching on drinking. It's an example. We try to justify things that we want to do or that we want to accept or we want to say, well, God ain't really hard on this, so he's left me some wiggle room and some freedom there. No, I'm talking about living a godly life. And he said, whatever we do, we're to do it to the honor and glory of God. So here... In verse 17, he's basically saying the same thing. Whatsoever you do in word or deed, what you say and how you live, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So how do we do that? Well, we have to avoid, we have to avoid extremism and complacency. We have to avoid extremism and complacency. Sometimes we can get too extreme. On matters, can't we? In 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 religious circles, we kind of label that as legalism. We get extreme. Unless God, women ain't they better not wear no pants, and they better not come to church with them open-toed shoes on, and they better not don't have too much makeup and too many ear. You know, we get extreme in things. Man ought not to have a beard. They ought to be clean shaved and short haircut and a three-piece suit. And, you know, we get extreme, but then that pendulum will swing too far the other way, and we'll just get complacent. Where that we'll just accept anything. You know, you got women come to church and they wear more on the beach than they do at church. Have I ever asked y'all that question about a woman in dress in this church? I ask it everywhere I go. My wife said, don't. I won't. And she says, don't. That's the Holy Spirit speaking. 
But, I mean, we, we get complacent. And men, same way, I, I'd say dress, but it, it's the way we talk. You know? We're, we're, it's not even really unkindness, but we just, we, we learn to get lax and we just carry on too much sometimes. We don't know where the boundaries are. You know? Well, you might not ought to have said that. I, I get that a lot because sometimes, <laughs> you know, complacency. We, we can't be too extreme, but yet we, we can't just be complacent where anything goes. There has to be a balance. God's Word helps us to be balanced. And, and then in our, our intellect and in our emotion, we have to be balanced. You know, we 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 can we can get too hung up on on just the scripture and the sermon and that you know it's all about the message and it's all about the preacher and the preaching and the word and the word and the word and the word and I believe the word takes priority and precedence over everything else. I believe that, but it still has to be balanced because. If it's just the word, then you know what? We just become hearers. And we just soak it in. And yeah, that's the truth. And that's theology. And that's doctrine. And praise God. But then we, t we don't take it out the door with us. We just, we, we focus on the intellect. And we learn it. But we don't know how to apply it. And we don't take it out the door with us. And we don't use it in our life. It doesn't affect our life. And then our emotions, what is that? Well, that's praise and worship, singing, you know. Some churches, whatever, they, they sing for two hours and preach for five minutes. Some churches, you know, they preach for two hours and sing for five minutes. Unbalanced. Here's, here's the thing about, about our church model, if you want to use that word. The, the music and the, the singing and the praise part of church, it has to be done in such a way that it honors God because when it does, it sets up our heart and mind. It, it makes our heart and mind fertile ground to receive the Word of God. That, 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 that singing and, and that, that worshiping and, and that time that we do that it has to be godly and God-centered and God-focused so that it will set the heart and the mind to be able to receive the Word of God. Okay? And, and this is uh, no reflection on, on this church or how things are done here because Mark is new in what he's doing and he's learning. And I don't know what was done before because I wasn't here. But but as a as a body of believers, what you have to understand, and like I say, Mark's working and he's trying to learn and, and understand this whole process because it's new to him. But the thing is, is it's not about how our flesh feels. It's about what God does in our heart to set us up to receive his word. We, I mean... I, 
you know, there's a lot of music I listen to out there in my vehicle driving down the road. I wouldn't necessarily want to listen to that in church. Not because there's anything wrong with it. But it's the kind of music that excites me and it, it causes me to love the Lord and it teaches me things about the Lord. But it doesn't really set my heart in tune to receive the word. Does that make sense? You know, y'all know that uh, guy, he's kind of new a few years, that Zach Williams sings that uh, old church choir song. Y'all heard that song? I mean, man, you'll tap your foot and roll your window down and scream out the wind and holler. It's just a good song. It, it, but that's not the kind you want to hear on Sunday morning, you know, because it, it makes you want to get up and go outside and enjoy the beautiful trees and run around the yard, but it doesn't really get your heart and your mind in a place to receive the Word of God. You see, there's a difference. So we got to have balance. Our intellect and our emotion have to be balanced because they affect what? Our will, the, what we do, how we receive things, and then what we do with it. And, you know, I, I'm simple. I go back to the simplicity of God's Word. What did Jesus say in the garden uh, at Gethsemane that night as he prayed? He said, not my will, but thy will. And that's why I said on Sunday morning when I was preaching on Sunday morning, I said, it, you know, it's not about my rights. I have a responsibility to relinquish my will to his will. Paul liked to just call it what it was, dying. He said, I die daily. He said, the life I now live, he said, I'm crucified with Christ. And the life I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. You see, so it, it's not our will; uh, it's His will that needs to be done in our life, and that's volition. We be sober-minded, uh, and when we're that way, then we safeguard, like the Scripture says here: "Whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all how in the name of the Lord Jesus." We're His representative. I I, I go out and I work for the public and I sometimes work for people in their private homes and Mark's same way he goes out he works in public uh, you know for people or companies or whatever we're on display every day our character our reputation the way we talk the way we dress the way we act everything about us is on display either in somebody's home or in somebody's business every day and when you read that scripture, what's he saying? I, I'm his representative at whatever home or place of business I'm at. And if there's somebody in there that needs a witness, who's he going to tell, hey, go witness to them? He's going to tell me, isn't he, if I'm there. And if I've been over there slinging tools and making racket and fussing and cussing because something ain't working right, do you think when I'm done and then I'm on my time and I spend that time trying to tell them about Jesus because the Lord spoke to my heart about they need a witness, do you think they're going to listen to anything i got to say? Because if, if, if I'm the representative of Jesus, they're a whole lot better than I am. They don't need my Jesus. You know, Gandhi, uh, that uh, from India, Gandhi, 
He said, I would be a Christian if it were not for Christians. He said, I believe what that Bible teaches about God enough that I would become a Christian if it weren't for the people that call themselves Christians. See, it's not, it's, it's our whole life. It's not the fact that we told the Bible whatever version it is and that we come through these doors two or three times a week and sit on the pew and shake hands and give a little money and offering plate and go to the house. That's not what it's all about. It's about how we represent him every day, 24 hours a day, to all the people that see us. There is such a thing as the power of godliness. And here's you some guidelines for godliness. That's all just the introduction. Yeah, that didn't cost it. We're going to take off for now. You got to pay for the rest of it. So here, here's, here's the guidelines for godliness. So that we can have the power of God in our life. Number one, we have to learn to live life proportionately. Proportionately. He said, whatsoever you do in word or deed, we've got to be balanced. Too, too many people living for them songs and sermons. They come and sit and soak, but they don't ever serve. They don't ever do anything with what the Lord's given them with what he's taught them, with the difference he's made in their life. We, we have to be balanced. We have to learn to pray. We have to learn to read the scriptures and study the scriptures. And we have to learn to go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in. We have to learn to give to support the work of the Lord. These are all things that keep us balanced proportionately in our life. Most people just live for the sermons and the songs. They just come on Sunday morning uh, sporadically, and that's about it. I know that's not y'all. You're here on a hot Wednesday night, you know, and uh, you, because you want to serve the Lord. That's balanced. Keep your life balanced and live proportionately. Word or deed. Not just what we say. We can confess Christ all day long. But it's how we live our life really shows people whether or not we believe what we say. It really makes a difference in our life. See, it's uh, you know it's one of them things that you just have to guard it. So live life proportionately. And then number two, number two, we have to learn to live life properly, properly, not just balanced, uh, but we have to have a correct balance. He said next there in the verse, he said, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. How do we live properly? We do things in the name of the Lord Jesus. Can Jesus go with me to the places I go to socially? Can he do things with me that I do socially? Can Jesus get on my Facebook page and post the things that I post on my Facebook page? Would he say some of the things that I say? When I get mad at somebody and I don't like what somebody else said, would he say those things in public? You know that stuff don't go away. The, the cloud is out there, but the cloud don't ever rain. It just keeps toting the stuff with it. It's out there. It don't go away. I know God said that he's forgiven us of our sins and he's forgotten about them but they're still floating around out there in the cloud somewhere if you posted them. 
They are. So can he be a part of our social life? Uh, our, our social services, are they spiritual endeavors? The things that we do to be a blessing and to help. Uh, are they spiritual services? You can throw money at a lot of stuff to help socially. But does it help them spiritually? You, you, do you know what I'm saying? Alcoholics Anonymous is a good organization. They try to help people get off the bottle. But how, do they really help them spiritually? You know, they might say, give them a Bible verse every now and then. But they're not really helping them spiritually, are they? So instead of giving money to an organization like that, why not give money to support a, a recovery program through a local church that sponsors something like that, that might feed meals and, and have meetings and give literature to these people that helps them spiritually. Because nobody or no program, or it don't matter if it's 12 steps or 20 steps, Nobody's going to change unless the Spirit of God does the work in their heart. If you, if you will yourself to change, you know what? You can unwill yourself to change. But if God moves inside of you, very rarely does a person go back. You, you, you don't fall off the wagon. You don't want to go back that way. You don't find anywhere in Scripture... Where the Bible talks about that prodigal son going back down to the pig pen, do you? Because when God got a hold of him, he changed him, didn't he? The world's greatest terrorist of Christians, Saul of Tarsus, met Jesus on the road to Damascus one day. He never went back to being Saul, did he? And when we invest in spiritual things, when we invest in things that help people spiritually, whether it's with our time, our talent, or our treasure, that's how we invest. We give them our time by serving or doing something. We give our talent by teaching or, or, or you know, discipling people, or we can give some money. That's our treasure. However we invest, we ought to be investing in things that promote spiritual things socially, not just programs, not, not just something because it's good. You know, I wouldn't give... I wouldn't give a dime to the Red Cross. Not one dime would I give to the Red Cross. They do not help people in disasters. They make a mockery out of people in disasters. I'm not going to go far down that road because I may get in the flesh. But, it, you know, it, when you want to do something socially, make sure you do it properly. And do what you do in the name of the Lord Jesus. What, what, how you have your activities, how you conduct your life, how you have fun in your family, how you reach people, how you serve the community. Just whatever it is, it has to be done properly. And properly is in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't go if he can't go. Don't say it if he wouldn't say it. Don't... And this all applies to me. I struggle with it on a daily process. I'm not perfect. 
but these are the guidelines for godliness. Number one, live proportionately. We've got to have balance in word and deed. And then we have to live life properly. We must do the things that we do in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then third, uh, we must learn to live life prayerfully. Prayerfully. He says, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Giving thanks. When you learn to live your life in the shadow of the cross, then you'll learn to live a life of gratitude. When you, when you never get out from under the cross, you'll learn to live a life of gratitude. Because God doesn't owe us anything. He could have let every one of us die and go to hell, and he'd still be God. I, I go back to the simple things of God's word. There was once a time when God let the whole population of the earth, except for eight people, die. He, he didn't just let them die. He let them die a cruel death. Have you ever watched somebody drowned? Drowning and burning about the two worst ways you can die. It's not a fun thing. The whole population. So when we think about the cross, and we think about what God gave to redeem us, and you see a banner that says Redeemer on it, and you see a cross, don't ever get out from under the shadow of that cross, and you'll live a life of gratitude. And if we focus on having an attitude of gratitude, our whole life will change. Because it's not, it's not about wants. It's not about getting or having. It's just about being thankful. I sat under, uh, sat under an old tree today in the shade for a little while in uh, reading my Bible. And I got to thinking about that thing of contentment. You know, Paul said, whatsoever state I'm in, uh, I've learned to be content. And, and he teaches us that we ought to, to learn and desire to be content with such things as we have. That's a hard thing sometimes, isn't it? I, I was sitting there, and this is just me being transparent and real to you. I, I was sitting in my vehicle. And that, that old truck may look good on the outside, but it's a 2004. It's got over 300,000 miles on it. Half the time the air conditioner go out, you ride down the road, it's 98 degrees, and the air conditioner go out, and you got your Sunday suit and your tie on, and your wife sitting there. I mean, you know, just, it just, I could name all kind of little things that's wrong with it. But when I get in it every day, and crank it, it starts, it gets me where I need to go, and it brings me back home in the evening. And I sat there in the, in the shade of that tree today in that truck, and I thought, Lord, I, I, you know, it's not wrong to want a more dependable vehicle that, you know, got some of the bells and whistles that keep you comfortable. It's not wrong to want that. But I thought, Lord, I'm just glad 
it gets me back and forth. It'd be nice, but I'm happy I got this one. Because it could be worse than this one. It could be one the heater never, I mean the air conditioner never works in. Don't even have air conditioner. It could be one of them, you still have to roll the window with your arm. You know, my son bought a truck, and it's not a new truck, it's what, 13, is that what year? It's 13, something like that, it's a few years old. It used, you know, it was a, a work, state work truck. Bought it used, got a good deal. And I got in that thing to go somewhere one day, and I reached to roll the window down on the passenger side, and no button. And I thought, man, and I looked there, and got to roll the windows up and down. Now, I could, I could live without, you know, electric windows. But I'm a little older and a little fatter than I used to be. It's hard to reach all the way across there to unlock that door lock. Them electric locks is about something you just saw. You got to have them. Short, fat people can't reach over that far. But, you know, it's, we laugh about it, and it is funny, and it's good. But I just, you know, I'm not special. I don't want you to think I'm super spiritual because I sat there and I, I, I thought, you know, why couldn't I have this or why can't I have that? But then I just thought about that verse. And I thought, well, Lord, I, I want to learn how to be content. I want to be thankful that I got a vehicle that will get me back and forth to home every day. Just learn content. Gratitude. And as long as we stay under the cross and we realize what he's done for us, he don't owe us that. He don't owe us salvation. And we didn't find Jesus. They used to have bumper stickers that I found Jesus. Whoever did that was they straight out of pit of hell. All they wanted was to do something, make money. Because we don't find him. He finds us. Psalmist said, He came down into the miry pit and picked me up and brought me out and set my feet on the solid rock. We well, didn't find him down in the pit, he found us down in the pit. So, three things guidelines for godliness. There is power in godly living. If we live proportionately, if we live properly, and if we live prayerfully then God can use our life to make a difference because there's power in godly living. And that's why the church doesn't have power today. We have a form of godliness, but we deny the power. The power's still there. Jesus and Matthew in the Great Commission, we call it, he said, all power in heaven is what? Given unto me. And he's doing what? Giving it unto us. It's there, and it's available. But too many times we deny that power because we don't live proportionately, we don't live properly, and we don't live prayerfully. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful for your word, and we're thankful, God, that you've given it to us in such a way that we can study it, the Holy Spirit can speak to our heart. You encourage us through it. You help us, Lord, to get closer to you, be more like you through it. I pray, Lord, tonight that these words and these things will help us to be closer to you. I pray that, that, Lord, you'll help us to live a godly life, Lord, so that we can experience your power in our life, so that our lives will touch people and, and help people to be changed by the power of the Holy Spirit.
Lord, I just thank you for what you're doing in the church. I pray that you'll just continue, Lord, to be a blessing to the people. Help us to be an encouragement, Lord, and to, uh, Lord, to always look out for one another, check on one another, and, and to be a blessing, Lord. Just thank you for the opportunity that we have to come here and gather together and worship. May you add your blessing to it as we depart tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.